I would like to preface slash preface, depending on your colloquialisms, to this episode just to say sorry it's been so long and sorry that the last episode was quite majorly depressing, but we kind of keep it real, we're not media trained here. Um, (laughs) Also, I am kind of like really difficult to get hold of these days because I'm just like a bit, you know, busy and like also a bit like you know I'm just a bit I'm just a bit I don't know like I've just got a lot of things on my mind you know mm. so Emma's been working through that we're getting through it Emma's finding a way to communicate <laughs> and anyway here we are I've got some big news to go through today so if you feel like being here stay I'm in a bit of a weird mood but let's go the way you talk about like Emma's getting through it is like Alex is is the issue like Alex to me is like being an alcoholic or something and I'm like you Alex <laughs> so I'm just taking my makeup off if you hear ASMR yeah and you might hear me knitting because I'm trying to learn does this sound like ASMR a little bit yeah we might start channel so we really want to have some guests on soon and we will soon but I think we're still getting in our rhythm. We've only had, I think, six episodes. Do you know what, though? I know who I want on, and I kind of, like, really want to... We've both got a bucket list, for sure. But for now, I think Alex is a wonderful guest, who also has exciting... Guest? That's rude. You're a guest in your professional sphere right now. Okay. Professional, exciting stuff going on. So I'm going to ask Alex some questions about um what's going on in her work at the moment uh, but before we get into that let's do some quick fire questions okay are you ready alex yeah hit me go if you could rent any location for a photo shoot where would it be like money isn't a obstacle um if i could rent any location <sighs> this is hard mm. like anywhere yeah for a photo shoot i mean it's just hard you know like probably like um i think i'd i'd rent like an untouched like elvis presley's house Mm, something like that or what was michael jackson's neverland neverland Mm. something like that yeah i don't feel like i have a specific place in mind i just like to find like go to America and LA and find some really wacky house with really crazy architecture. I mean, you could do that. They do like they have like loads of Airbnbs. You can do that with. You're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. One day when we do have the money. <laughs> okay, next one. Um, favorite place for a staycation because I'm in Dorset at the moment mm-hmm. on a holiday. I thought your background looked a bit different, Emma. Yeah, I'm in Dorset with. My boyfriend and his family. It's very nice. Oh, cute. What the heck? I think, you know, my dad used to work in Dorset. Fun fact. Okay. Yep. Uh, where would I go for this vacation? My staycation of choice is always Scotland. Oh, really? I it's, yeah. I think it's stunning. My dad's <laughs> actually from Scotland. 
from Dumfries. Dumfries, no, Dumfries was a bit of shell, though, not gonna lie. But um, oh my god, my family listens to this. Sorry, but if you keep going further and you go to like the west coast, so like Solway, Sandy Hills, anywhere along there is like literally stunning. And then like Highlands, anywhere like oh, Scotland, I just like yeah, the Highlands or um. Lake District, that's not Scotland, but it's yeah, Lake District's nice. It's really nice. Um, so yeah, I guess because you're more like up north, you'd probably go up, whereas I'm south, so I'd go down. Um, well, I think like Scotland is like the air's cleaner, the air's far. Like, how long does it take to get there? Three, it's three hours to get to like the west coast. So I'd go to Cornwall and even from London that's like six hours. Yeah, I've never been. It's too far. For me, like I could be like in America from the mm. in the same time it takes me to get to yeah, Cornwall. That's true. But it's very pretty. I'll take you there one day. Um if you could get rid of one thing in your life that causes you stress, <laughs> what would it be? Ooh. <laughs> mm, if I could delete one thing out of my life that gives me stress. Oh, it could just be like a little small mundane everyday thing um personally i think i would delete the thing in my head that if that if the idea that if can't, i can't even articulate myself i would delete the idea that if someone didn't like me i was like if someone doesn't like me i think i'm just like an actual tiny little insignificant cretin of a person so i think it would be cool if i could accept the fact that i can still be cool and not everyone has to like me Mm. um that's quite hard yeah and then like you i just mean to get to that place in your head where you don't care what people think i mean i feel like i don't but then i like extremely do yeah Um, and like a, a household task or something oh easy communication with anybody of any form to be just yeah like if you could just have your own like pa or something yes do you know what yes like this is an autism thing i'm sorry to talk about it but like i like um use all of my brain all yeah all day so you get and home for, and just fried. But it's not even just that. Like communication for me anyway is really, really difficult. Like so mm-hmm. difficult. And it takes a lot of energy. And it takes I feel all twisted up inside when I'm communicating with people. I find it really stressful. I find afterwards I have a lot of anxiety after any form of communication yeah. with anyone. And it ta- it's like a massive event. So it's so difficult for me to even send an email or a message. It just like I find it the most difficult thing if I had a PA that could reply to people for me and just say you need to do this 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 today you need to be here 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 I could easily do it it's the whole like planning and and talking to people I just I find it so difficult yeah I've been talking about this quite a lot today actually because I was talking to my gran and saying like when she was younger you'd go out of the house and that was Mm. it or you finish work and that was it Mm. but with phones like we're reachable 24 hours of the day and it's really unhealthy like even if you finish work like you could message your boss or vice versa and really there needs to be a cut off like people can't expect you to be 
you know, answerable to them with the time. I think but then that's me. I do that though. I'll message someone from work at like 10 p.m. Like, oh, I've no, to do this. It's so hard. I do the same. I think I think it's in Germany I read. They've actually put like a law in some places that you can't contact your staff like after working hours. And I think that's like a really good idea. America's really bad for that, you know. Really? Like so bad, yeah. They like message at all hours and expect you to be really weird yeah there just needs to be more of a line anyway my thing would just be washing up i really hate it so much i wish i had a dishwasher i don't have a dishwasher either i've tried to persuade my boyfriend so many times to get like on tiktok i see those countertop dishwashers oh, yeah fans that you just plug in your sink and you fill it with water and they just swirl around mm -hmm. and create foam and you just dump your dishes in there and yeah and then you just pull them out and they're clean but I think I would flood my kitchen yeah and that's just like a massive dishwasher if the kitchen's flooded <laughs> okay last one our favorite one if you're a man today what would you do who would you be well what would I do if I was a man today I mean I just find this really hard I mean I took a car to a garage today mm. and i hate to blow my own trumpet but i'm actually really good at cars yeah you are because you fixed up those old ones you bought yeah me and my dad have got a morris minor too actually and we fixed them both up from scratch and like rebuilt them and we go to a lot of classic car shows anyway i took this car into the garage today and it had an MOT last week. Mm. So I just took it in for a service. It's not my car because I don't get my car serviced, obviously. But um, they tried to tell me that it needed like five and a half grand worth of work on it. And it said that one of the things was like three and a half grand of like an oil leak or something. And I was like, that's absolutely not true. Like I have checked yeah. this car myself. It absolutely does not have an oil leak. And they were like, oh, yeah, it needs this. And it literally totaled to about five and a half grand. I was like, no, don't do any of it. And I just feel like that wouldn't have happened if I was a yeah. man. My dad has even said to me in the past, like, oh, bring your brother with you to the garage. Yeah. I think they have a reputation of trying to, like, pull the wool over women's eyes or whatever the expression is and just ripping them off because they assume we don't know better. It's ridiculous. I was like... I mean, if it has an oil leak, it's so tiny, like so minuscule that it wasn't picked up on an MOT and I haven't picked it up and I've been underneath it. Mm. So like it literally, like the fact that they're like, oh, it's really dangerous. It's not. Why are you telling Why are you telling me that? Because I'm a young girl and you think I'm just going to fall for it. Like, nah, you're right. If you're a man today, you'd walk into a garage and get your car MOT'd for a reasonable price. Yeah, I wouldn't get scammed at the garage. <laughs> Um, I was thinking today that if I was a man, I would go to the library and read some books on feminism because I think it's like the same issue with like racism, feminism. Yeah. It's always the people that are the victims that are like doing educated the work or yeah. about it, and it's just like the most frustrating thing. Like, and it, we're not the ones that need that need to change. Yeah, like. Maybe there just needs to be some more. Well, there probably are. 
like books about feminism written for men to read so it's like a bit more i think men just need to get comfortable with the word feminism as well like it's not men hate that word but it's actually a much needed word 100 percent. side note since one of our episodes on oh what did we talk about like elitism and cameras i've had so many emails about b and h and people having really experiences there which i think is really embarrassing for them very embarrassing like to have built that reputation especially as like i assume most of our listeners are in the uk so like a reputation of being dickheads is i don't know why that makes me feel a bit better though it wasn't yeah. just me they looked at and was like oh she's dumb mm. like they obviously have a type yeah they just don't seem very patient with people so alex heron superstar formerly known as herder on dot sheets has oh no, I've had to change it. historical moment has changed her instagram handle to no. alexandra underscore heron is that correct? I know. I don't want to change it, but I have been professionally advised that I must. Mm. It's made me sad. It's just so that people can find me easier, but it made yeah. me very sad. R.I.P. Her dot on dot sheets. She was iconic. She was. She was the moment. I, I might her. change it back. Shall I change it back? I feel like it is good advice. I think if you're trying to build a professional career, like unless you're going to be like Banksy, where he's made like an artist name for himself that's separate. Yeah, but her dot on dot shoots is not really a name, is it? Exactly. So if you want people to know you in the professional world as Alexandra Heron, then I think your Instagram handle should be the same. I hate that. You'll get used to it. I mean, it is your name. Hello. You could have a finster with that handle. Yeah, but that's not really a finster if everybody knows the handle, is it? It can just be for me. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so, Alex, is it already out? No, this will be by the time this episode is out. It goes out on the 1st of November. Okay. By the time this episode's out, it'll be out. The cat will be out the bag, as they say in neurotypical land. So Alex has a very exciting campaign coming out with NAS, N-A-S, which is the National Autistic Society? Yeah. Okay, got it right. So Alex, just tell tell me more. Tell me about this project. Okay, so by the time you're all hearing this, it will be out and I hope that people will like it and share it and stuff because I'm literally so scared about it but I'm so excited so I've been working very hard over the last couple of months which is why I've not really been posting at all and for breath um and basically I'll just let you know how the story goes so I started working at Rankin when August something like that um yeah it was in the summer I started working and Obviously, he knew about my breadth project and we'd spoken about it quite a lot. And um, the ad agency Ogilvy, specifically Ogilvy Health, had got in contact about um, 
a campaign that the National Autistic Society wanted to run around autistic women um, and Rankin obviously was like a big supporter of my breadth project and he was like campaigning for me to shoot it which was really good that he had the That's really cool of him yeah it was and he like sort of took that chance on me because at this point I mean me and Rankin knew each other and like obviously I was working for him but we weren't like besties yeah we didn't (laughs) we hadn't worked together loads yeah worked together I had worked for him loads um so like obviously I'm representing here his company and he's like to Ogilvy which is like one of the three big big agencies um so like that's a pretty big deal for like some random girl from the north that's like come so he was like she'll shoot it and um so yeah I had a meeting with Ogilvy the National Autistic Society and for those that don't know National Autistic Society is like the big um autism charity in the UK so like you know how you have like NSBCC for like I'm not saying that autism is the same as child abuse I'm just saying that like it's like like the flagship charity for autism and um so yeah I had a meeting with my producer called Kay who's literally one of the six people I know um and then Chelsea who was like um who's another producer who was really amazing and then um Ogilvy so I met with Tamsin and Lydia from Ogilvy and Bronte and then the National Autistic Society and we had loads and loads of meetings and we sort of talked about it and I mean I'm really lucky that Ogilvy also took the chance on me because they have, I deal with sort of the big players in photography and for them mm. to like let some unknown girl shoot it was like mega for them but I think that the they kind of trusted Rankin with that, so that was yeah. my sort of my big break with that. Um, At the same time, like obviously, I know I know you better, but if I were them, I'd be like jackpot. We need to shoot a campaign on autism. We've got an autistic photographer who's a woman and really talented. Like we've seen her work. Like I don't think it was taking a chance on you. I think they should. Like, it makes sense to have you shooting it as opposed to just, like, a straight white man with no experience in what he's shooting. Like, you can relate. I know, but I didn't get, like, let's face it, I didn't get the shoot because I'm a good photographer. I got the shoot because I'm part of the story that they needed to tell. Yeah. And, like, that's fine. I mean, I would like to be a better photographer, but I'm going for a bit of a stage. You are a good photographer, Alex. I'm not. I'm not at all. Sorry, that's really depressing. Anyway, um, well, we'll <laughs> um, your self-esteem issues later. Yeah, I should really be paying a therapist for that rather than whoever is listening to this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so yeah, I so I was so I just felt really lucky that they like took a chance on me and sort of we shaped this campaign and I was really for me like as always the campaign should be about the women uh in the campaign and non-binary people mm-hmm. and it should the pictures are not the important part for me because 
we're here to just tell their stories and we're if we have to sacrifice something for aesthetic purpose like something aesthetic yeah if we have to sacrifice aesthetics to make the subject more comfortable then we need to do that because it's about them and their story not yeah. about aesthetics aesthetic is a secondary thing in this so that was really important to me through the whole thing and um the campaign is called um like national autistic society um why i am so it's about sort of like because so women in autism are like diagnosed so much later and there's not very many like women don't really get diagnosed as much as men and it's because the criteria for being diagnosed is like completely male it's based on male traits it was own like the guy that discovered it and created the test only observed male autistic people so like it isn't the criteria of being autistic is really about how male are you at the minute and that's really difficult so a lot of women don't get diagnosed till a lot later in life if at all and that means that you kind of go through life thinking why am I a piece of shit and why am I so awful and why does nobody like me so it's quite difficult um so yeah I'm I traveled the country with Kay the um producer and then um my like team that I work with at Rankin so that was really nice so it's like my work friends I work with all the time so I had Marcus, Doma, Chelsea, Charlie um wait cut this out so I had Doma, Marcus, Chelsea and Charlie and obviously Kay and it was like the best times we went to Sheffield we went to Coventry we went to Plymouth we went to like Stonehenge we went we were shot in London it was like the best times ever um and I met other amazing autistic women and shot them for the campaign and then they told their stories so it was really fun so was it all women um it was women and one non-binary person oh cool that's really cool uh, so I guess like you would have felt pretty comfortable with what you're doing as it's you know similar sort of mm -hmm. what you're doing with breadth and you're yeah. already built up the skills to you know build a connection with whoever you're shooting so you're going to get as honest photos as you can or did you yeah. find different because I guess there was a heightened level of pressure with this shoot. I mean, it's weird because, like, obviously it's basically what I've been doing for two years and I think I do have, like, what I lack in what I believe photography skills. I think I have in... I think I have a skill in maybe making people feel comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's probably mainly because of, like, the way that I'm quite self-deprecating. Um, So I kind of make myself... A joke, yeah. yeah. So I think I'm quite good at that. So I, I kind of felt I was a bit nervous because on obviously on set we had like four people from my team, and then we had like three or four people from Ogilvy, and then we had like two or two ish people from Naz. So we had like a lot of people, and these were taken in people's homes. So on set there was sort of like ten people or something. Yeah, it must Which, be quite overwhelming for them because yeah. it's just literally you and them and maybe your mum. My mum, yeah. Me, my mum and them. Like, 
so that's what we normally have so I was a bit worried going in because I was like for an autistic person it's very difficult to like have that many people in your safe space also like moving stuff around because obviously we had a lot of kit and we might have to move stuff for like we couldn't have anything branded in the pictures so like any like even like board games and stuff that that were branded and stuff so we had to move quite a lot of stuff and like I was really worried about that but there was no issues really um and I kind of was worried that I would be different because obviously I was with the people that I work with all the time so I was a bit worried that I wouldn't be how I normally am but I kind of like have this laser focus where I just like I snapped into my zone and I knew what I was doing and it was kind of like muscle memory like I just went into a prep shoot pretty much yeah so about them so that's at the time and I have little tricks now I feel like I'm really good with autis- autist- other autistic people. Like, I have little tricks that I think make people really, like, come out of themselves a lot. Like what? Oh, I don't know if I can tell you that. Um, so, like, an autistic person, like, honestly, we're so, like, we have our special interest. If you can get us talking about that, mm. that's it like you're gone so like so if somebody really likes minecraft if you can just talk to them about minecraft and like even if you know a little bit about it so like if you're meeting someone that you know is autistic and like they might be nervous if you know what their special interest is and you can do a tiny bit of research on it before and you can ask them specific questions about it you're just gonna make you're gonna instantly usually find that connection that's lovely so when this shoot comes out like what is the format like with breadth you have the picture often a bit of writing um close-ups of hands and things like that is it a similar structure or um not really so we've got a video and it Mm -hmm. sort of tells our stories i've got one as well i'm really nervous about it because i feel like i looked not very nice you looked gorgeous i didn't i look horrible but anyway I think the story's good. I'll try to clip in a bit of what you say in here. Yeah, that'll be sick. Yeah, that'll be good. I wanted to take my picture in Rankin Studio because this is where I work now. And I feel like I've finally found my place where I'm accepted. Pictures for me is my first language because when I was younger, I didn't always find communication easy, especially as I got older through the school years. So as I've learned to communicate as I've got older, it's been like learning a second language, whereas pictures have always been my constant way of communication when sometimes language fails. I sometimes feel guilty about my diagnosis story because when I hear stories from other people that have been diagnosed later on they often talk about this weight off their shoulders or this moment of realization or this moment of relief whereas I didn't feel that at all I hated myself um, I hated my diagnosis and I didn't identify with anyone um, that, I, that I met that was autistic because I think looking back they were all male um, and I also was told by the GP as well that 
this could have significant career ramifications and social ramifications. So I just felt like I'd been burdened at 16 with this secret about myself that was the why for everything I did. But I could never explain that why to anyone because it would ruin my life. When I was at school, I was told not to come back anymore because I would truant all the time because I was so scared of being in lesson and the lights and the people and I was close to people and people touched my things and it was, it was so overwhelming. And I was told that I could only sit my functional skills exams rather than my GCSEs and I would never go on to achieve anything. So my granddad, who's in his 80s, taught me my GCSEs for two hours every day, every single day. And then when it came to sit my GCSEs, I got 14 A's. So now I feel pride in what I've achieved, but I also feel an immense responsibility to make sure that autistic girls at school never felt the way I did. Everyone has to go like and share it because I really want to be I really want to be a big deal. Like honestly, I actually want a blue tick on Instagram. You deserve a blue tick. Do you think I do? Yeah. Do you think I'll get a blue tick in two years? We just have to manifest it into the universe. How do you get one? It's quite hard. Like even Analog Wonderland, I know Cindy still were tweeting about it the other day. Like you really have to ask for them and prove who you are. And Why does Analog Wonderland not have a blue tick? Because I don't think Instagram really care about the smaller businesses. It's not that um, small. No, and it becomes an issue with like giveaways and stuff because people make fake accounts. Um, but I think Cine still was saying like they've sent solicitors letters. Oh no, it was Andy from Kodak because you know how Kodak split into like three companies. Oh yeah, like Kodak Europe, Kodak yeah. Professional. Yeah. So the company he works for alaris they can't even get a blue tick because there's another kodak so they think it's fake anyway that's another oh. topic about how stupid instagram is but you're a person so it should be easier to prove that's well annoying yeah anyway um it's going to be a video of the stories and then it's like um a portrait where they're holding like a clicker so it's kind of like it would be a self-portrait but it's sort of giving the idea that they're in control of of their new narrative it was pretty cool and it's like in their homes and they're surrounded by their special interests which but like subtly i don't know like it's really cool like so how I, much involvement did you have with like the creative direction of the shoot or were you more literally the photographer um, I mean, I thought that was a really good experience for me because obviously not being a professional photographer and then being thrust into like Ogilvy mm -hmm. territory was like a big deal for me. And like I was really lucky that I had Rankin and like his producers and his team to like sort of guide me with that. Yeah. Um. So it, I found that bit really good because obviously like Kay, the, Kay who was the producer, she did all of the admin stuff. She did all of the contacting contacting them so literally i just got to do my job which is perfect for me mm. um i did a few calls and we like changed a few things because obviously being an autistic woman i was like yeah you've got was, that perspective yeah and i really wanted it to be authentic i really wanted it to be real i really wanted like i, I felt like this is so important and it's the first campaign i know of that sort of 
tackles this issue yeah so like i really wanted it to it to be right so like i kind of like work and i was really lucky with who i worked with like tamsin and lydia at ogilvy because they were like very much on the same page and were like listening a lot and mm -hmm. i think it helped that they're sort of like young women as well so like it wasn't some like old man telling me what to do they were like really sort of up for it and yeah. then on the shoots i mean obviously i had guidelines like i knew exactly what they wanted in terms of deliverables but i was very much like able to move stuff around or tell people to pose differently and like with dawn um we like changed the color of the yarn and we changed and like all so all of the clothes that dawn is wearing in her picture she made she made all of the blankets in her picture like the two pictures above her chair are um like her um <laughs> yeah she actually could she's so good and they're like her she's really into family history and they're her relatives and she found out that her relatives were italian so like she's learned italian and stuff like wow. so yeah so like all the pictures all of the things in the pictures show something really big about yeah. the person and i just love that so i just loved it i love being with my team because obviously it helped me bond with them i don't yeah. know i just loved it it was so good it's interesting because it's obviously a lot of similarities to brett but sort of polar opposite at the same time because i can imagine when you're doing your breath shoots it's almost like you say like it's like hanging out with a friend so you're yeah, not in it. can you move this over there you're gonna be like hey why don't we just try this angle or something yeah, yeah. a different sort of tone of voice so how did you find stepping into that like level of authority I thought I was going to find it really hard but actually like I just went into breadth mode like I I'm so I, but I'm like that anyway like like yeah, you know Esther the other day huh like even so Alex and I did a little shoot the other week and her sister Abby was helping us and you were very happy giving a sister direction. Yeah, because I go into like this weird, like sort of laser focus where yeah. I, I'm i like, it's like nothing else exists. It's mm. really weird. And it and that's why a lot of the time when I was younger, when I'm really anxious in like um, busy environments or crowds, I used to take a camera with me even though I'm not taking pictures. Because it like puts my mind into like this hyper laser focus and I can't yeah. actually hear anything outside of it. It's like everything else drowns away. Just good. Um, I could see with your sister, like you clearly had a, a shot in mind. Yeah. And if she was slightly off, like Alex would be like, no, no, and literally come up behind her, point the camera in the yeah. exact point she wanted it. And you, you give so much like precise direction, not even just move a bit over there. Like, I want the viewfinder here. You should be looking through that spot. Make sure Emma's hands there. So, yeah, I, I can imagine you were like it's a great first shoot for you to do because it was a yeah. subject area you were already comfortable and like confident with so you, could you know what though that's also from having because so in my job mm. um i have to have my pitch taken so much and i'm not complaining because i absolutely fucking love having my pitch taken <laughs> but like you know i do i love yeah. it but there's much what, better at posing than me and she said it no but it's because i literally love it i love it i love having my photo taken but I'm so used to being given direction and I find when I'm having my pitch taken, if I'm given like proper hardcore direction, my anxiety goes because yeah. I'm then just doing exactly what what 
I'm told and I tend to do that a lot like I do give quite a lot of heavy direction because I think not if I someone's get, like do you know what I mean because like unless you fully go into it you just feel a bit silly yeah but if someone gives you direction and you just lean into it and go for it it I don't know it just made me feel more confident because I definitely feel like really shy and awkward at the beginning but when someone tells you what to do I think it gives you confidence in yourself because they're so confident that you look good in that position yeah. and like I got the hairdryer out specifically my Dyson hair app and <laughs> was like good doing Emma's hair and she was like oh no this is like so dry. how good do the pictures look though Emma so good I mean <laughs> they're funny they're they're really good I think they're good like where is the wind coming from in Alex's little London apartment but it was there the Dyson my house <laughs> can we just talk how nice my house is though it's so nice I'm it so is dead. I live in such a nice flat I'm not gonna lie it is when I got home and we're like oh this is a shit <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice I'm so lucky I'm literally gonna be so sad if I have to move Emma's stripping sorry so my other question was I guess you've already seen the impact that breadth has had but that's been a very like grassroots yeah. project growing it from the ground the National Autism Society like already has that platform I don't know how long they've been going but I imagine they're the sort of society that like my mum she's a special uh, needs teacher she's probably heard of them that sort of thing so yeah. given that you've got that level of like sort of attention already what what do you hope this project will achieve um like for me personally or like for people for people but come back to you personally as well um for people like honestly like what I said in my video when I was diagnosed as autistic it was like I've been given the life sentence genuinely it was like even the doctor said to me like don't tell anyone about this because you won't have any friends and especially don't tell any employers they about it because you won't their, get a job they, their license stripped away that's awful so it felt like I was grieving for a life that I thought I would have and my parents were as well um and I just like every person I knew was autistic was one male and two had a lot more obvious manifestations of like stereotypical autistic traits and I mm -hmm. didn't and I also didn't have this like savant mega memory I mean I have a pretty good memory but like not this like savant Sheldony rain man type yeah. thing so I kind of felt like I was the shit kind of autistic and I also felt like I'm not like them am I like really broken because I'm like a weird type of autism am I even autistic like what is the hell's wrong with me it's very lonely and it's quite scary and it's very sad and I just don't want any girls to feel like that I want them to see see that they can actually wear makeup and be autistic and they can have friends and be autistic and yeah. they can do all those things and they're still autistic and that's all really I just want I want I don't want any girls to feel or people in general just to feel yeah. like I did when I was a kid I think with this and with the breadth, like the main takeaway I get from it is like these people are just so awesome and like yeah. it's like this person does these aw awesome things and they have autism like that's a sort of secondary factor to me like they're just awesome in themselves. Yeah and I also wanted to like sort of point out 
I've not achieved these things and they've not achieved these things in spite of being autistic. Yeah. I hate that. It's like, wow, you've done all that even though you're autistic. Yeah. It's like, no, I've done it because I'm autistic, not in yeah, spite yeah. of. And I I don't think I'd ever really um, seen that side of it until I'd spoken to you, but about these massive, like, stereotypical, just caricatures of autism that you see yeah. in the media and, like, how damaging that is, I think, especially in just navigating the way you talk to an autistic person like yeah maybe it's something you'd have in mind but you know just talk to them like a person don't be like yeah. I don't know like overly aware of it to the point where you're just making an awkward conversation because you're sort of bending over backwards for it and I'm sure yeah. for you as an autistic person that just must be like frustrating or a bit insulting I find it just lonely like I find it I also like I have this like complex about do people just see me as like the their like autistic friend like do they see me as like charity or like oh she's like my I don't know like I I've, I have a complex yeah. like, I don't want to be that I just want to be a friend yeah. and like I actually love being autistic because my mind works differently to other people and that's I think the best thing about me is that I see things differently and I say things differently and some people hate that but I've like got a network around me that, pe that are people that appreciate that and it's taken me a long time to embrace that and I want other kids to see that that their unique perspective on the world is actually very valuable. Mm. My mum always says the world would be very boring if we were all the same. I mean, imagine a world without me, how boring it would be, Emma. Oh, kill me now. <laughs> it would be so boring. Everyone would be so bored. I think what you were saying just then about having, like, a bit of a complex, is that the sort of thing you'd mean, like, oh, imagine if someone was introducing... Like, if I was introducing... I always get introduced as the autistic one. Yeah, as if they're saying, every oh, time. I'm going to introduce you to Alex, oh, by the way, she has autism. Yeah, every time. Yeah. because I, I mean, it's fine. I feel like you need to preface it. I don't know how to say that yeah. word. I feel like sometimes people say it because, like, I can say things that or say things in a way that would come across quite bizarre or a bit rude or a bit brash, and I actually really don't mean it to, or, like, quite, mm -hmm. um, bl not blunt, but, like, Oh my god, why'd she say that? And I think some people do it out of care, like to just say, like, don't hate yeah, her. She's just exactly. but then also it kind of makes me feel like just like slapping um, a label on my head. Kind of, and also just like I really struggle, and I'm like, if I'm being really honest here, I struggle with my identity a bit because it's like I am the autistic one, and I in some ways I've made myself the autistic one because I've been so loud about yeah. autism I'm so passionate about it and I'm so passionate about kids I think like not feeling the way I felt um but, so I've made myself the autistic one but I also want to be just Alex I want I want to be valuable outside of being autistic and I think I have a lot of value as an autistic woman because I've been able to be loud about this and, and really um 
give my everything into helping other yeah. people, which is what I want to continue to do for the rest of my life. But I also want to have value outside of that as well. I feel yeah. like is my value only in helping people or can I be valuable outside of that? And that's something I'm trying to work on at the minute. I definitely think you are. It's like, yeah, autism is something you care about, but you also care about feminism and politics and animals. You know, and exactly that's just like one part of your life and your character and I think coming back to the thing you said about people like giving someone a heads up that you have autism I can definitely see how that would come from a kind place but I also think some of the things people would be saying that for is to so they could adjust how they behave you know to accommodate you but some of yeah. these things I just think I don't know if I like people. yeah like a lot of the like, things like, oh, like this know, is my hard. example say like I'm about to meet you and I'm like oh Alex has autism does she like to be hugged like maybe she'll find that really uncomfortable yeah I don't a lot I really don't find that uncomfortable. I hate it anyway so like I, hate I don't it. think I hate it so that's much the okay we've established Alex doesn't like hugs <laughs> but what, what my point is let me finish this like the thing that's okay finish so like my point is it's not not all these things are necessarily due to autism it might just be your personality as well and I could see how that could get like super muddled like there are lots of neurotypical people that just wouldn't like to be hugged either I don't know if that's a bad example I think my problem no it's a good example but my problem is is that I will say no so someone will say can I hug you and I go no and that's when it's helpful to say I'm autistic yeah but that is the point of asking the question and then people get very upset they know your boundaries for next time yeah I mean hugging is something I find awkward in life anyway especially it's horrible it's all a bit weird now I think people are just like what what are we gonna do hugging is horrid it's a horrible concept I don't want to press my body against anyone I quite like a hug. Really? I don't. Yeah. But sometimes I think hugging is like a, are you a dog person or a cat person? Like, some people just like a hug and some people don't. I like hugging. I like hugging my dog and my horse. Mm. That's about it. If I'm drunk, I will. Yeah, you go from like one-handed, like slight hug, but also like pushing the person away at the same time. Yeah, like pushing them down the stairs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 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 I don't know if like I I said what I was trying to say very articulately. I think you did. My point was these things you're thinking of, about autism might be things that you should be thinking about in life anyway just to people's boundaries like everyone has boundaries yeah and don't get upset if somebody if you ask a question and somebody says no like for example can i hug you if someone goes no that 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 shouldn't be something that's yeah. seen as rude conversation over a b c d f g got to go um I wanted to come back to the point about like 
girls versus boys in terms of autistic diagnosis yeah I think I remember this when I first like wrote that article for Analog Wonderland with you and you saying part of the reason was because of the way autism presents itself in girls is like a stereotype of girls character anyway so yeah. like quieter I've forgotten the other ones but that's so, I thought it was interesting it's like a massive thing that they need to do more research on. So it's like for every four autistic boys, there's one autistic girl diagnosed. Then that's not because there's lesser autistic girls. Yeah. It's just that they're less diagnosed. Um, so like, so like some of the traits, okay, um, for autism is like no social interaction, um, playing on your own as a child, very um, intense interests hyper focus on those interests um and 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 like for boys that's seen as like stereotypically they're a loner they love trains they don't socialize with any of their peers they don't do the rough and tumble type play like it's quite obvious whereas with girls they look at like oh she's quiet she's a people pleaser she, yeah she's just sweet she's quiet she's meek she's um she really loves horses like it or she really likes celebrity like it's just mm -hmm. a lot of those things and, and girls also like comes into sort of the the whole construct construct that girls grow up with so like sometimes boys are sort of allowed to 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 be whatever way and they're just a boy okay boys girls boys. boys will be boys whereas girls are people pleased and they're quiet and they're submissive and you've got to smile and you've got to be polite and you've you've got to be amenable to other people and that sometimes causes an issue because it ma it teaches girls to mask from a very young age so it yeah. teaches girls they must smile they must be polite they must like, I remember as a kid, like, if I didn't want to hug someone, I would be in so much trouble. Like, my parents would be like, hug your auntie. Hug her. Like, hug your granny. Like, that's so rude. <laughs> and, like, I I would have to do that, like, as a child. Yeah. And, like, it would be so rude if I didn't. And, like, mm. or, like, oh, you're walking around, like, face like a slapped ass. Like, yeah. And it's, like, you're taught from such a young age that you have to be submissive to others. You have to be um, adaptable to others and you have to make everybody's life around you better like easier and and you have to modify your behavior to do that and that's what's teaching girls at such a young age to just mask completely so other than like smashing the patriarchy like what what do you think the answer is to that just education on it like they need to completely overhaul the autistic diagnostic system right. so like the the whole criteria on being autistic is is only based on male subjects. They need to completely redo the whole thing. Mm. It's the same in so much like medicine and other areas. Though I was at the gym the other day, believe it or not, and I was talking about BMI and how I was like really upset about like the last time I looked at all that. And the trainer was just like to me, "It's absolute bullshit. BMI was designed by a man based on a male body." like that so much of the world is just from a male perspective and yeah it's just shit there's not not much more to say about that Does anyone 
a really good book re recommendation. There's a book called The Default Male. It's really good. Hmm. I'll add that to the bio. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you've answered this already, but like you must be really happy and proud of like the impact your breath project has had and what it will continue to have and now like this NAS project is like an extension of that yeah and I guess you touched on this in the last episode but are there any like downsides of the breadth project that have become difficult since it's gained like publicity um yeah I mean I love it so much and I love the people I've met I'm in a bit of a rut with it at the minute just because I work so much and then I find the breadth project very emotionally taxing like extremely yeah. emotionally taxing it takes a lot out of me it takes a lot out of me to like hear the stories that sort of are very similar to mine and put myself back in that place and share my own story um I find very difficult every time because it really like I I see everything in full color if you know what I mean like I relive it I don't just tell it um and it puts me back in that space and I'm also very empathetic to the point where I sort of take on others emotions yeah I find that it's very emotionally taxing and I've because I'm so tired because I'm living in London now and it's too busy and it's just like very a lot um I find that like the breath project is really difficult sometimes because I'm just very tired and very emotional anyway headspace for it yeah and then I also like I feel hard to break out of it sometimes like sometimes I want to just do photography um that's not breadth and doesn't have such an emotional meaning for me sort of photography without a why which is something I guess I struggled with in the past but like now sometimes I just want to try taking pictures for taking pictures sake and like posting them but then I think I struggle with it because it doesn't mean anything yeah but I guess like with some of the grain splaining shoots we've done I mean we've only done two but they've just been fun and you've looked like in your absolute element with yeah. that so I guess it's maybe having a slight purpose but you know the purpose doesn't need to hold this huge weight like for us the purpose was something fun for the grain spraining feed like yeah you could just find a small purpose but um I was sort of talking about this on my stories the other day like I was scrolling back through my Instagram feed of work I did while I was at uni and all my work was about anxiety and how I get migraines and just dealing with like uni stress and listening back to it some of it I was like oh my god like can't believe I posted this publicly mm. and there's like a line of it being really sort of therapeutic to put all yourself in your work and make work that's very meaningful but then the bigger it gets it's like the more draining it can become or the sort of more exposed you feel like at the moment not that I've gained a massive following but because I've just started posting more just general film photos I would feel really nervous to then suddenly start posting like really emotional work and I get I guess that though. it's like the other way around like you make this big emotional stuff that you pour your heart and soul into and now you just want to post like a cute picture of your horse and yeah. you're like but people are expecting this from me yeah it, it feels like that and it also feels like sometimes I'm embarrassed to meet people in real life because I feel like they've read my diary mm. that's what it feels like I've shown these people my soul 
or like mm. they've read my darkest diary do you know what I mean? So if someone read your diary of like your the worst times in your life and then you had to go meet them, it's, yeah. I find it embarrassing. And I love it because I know that it's like my purpose on, a, on an intellectual level. I love it and I love like what I'm doing. But it, deep down, sometimes I'm a bit embarrassed. But so there's pros and cons because I guess you're not starting the conversation on like equal. Yeah, it's terms. not an even playing field. Yeah, exactly yeah it makes me feel a bit vulnerable sometimes yeah no I, I get that but I do like I'm getting better and I really want to yeah. like I want to extend to more social documentary stuff like I want to do more projects on on groups of people that are misunderstood generally to be honest yeah yeah because you're definitely passionate about other issues like I see you posting about politics on stories what, the and Tories I yeah. love the Tories I'm a Tory <laughs> um i i I'm guess not. like we need to take take a leaf out of each other's book in terms of like i go on facebook all the time and just i'm taking photos and taking photos and i'm not really having much meaning to me at the moment but you're probably the other way around where you're only taking photos occasionally but when you do they're like yeah. you know absolutely everything yeah i think yeah we need to get the balance a bit more right both of us for sure because it's a bit stressful at the minute it isn't it? but if any like if any charities are listening to this and they want me to do another project just let me know because i'm up for that okay yeah completely yeah you love it we're just um we're talking about both sides i love it i love, love, love it and it's it's given you so much like you've done all these talks you can see how important it is to people that have met you like at the photography show there was a woman who was starting a society for like autistic photographers yeah I just thought that was so cool that you've inspired all these people but yeah two sides to every coin I love it though I wouldn't change it for the world I think so, if anything that you're very real about very honest about also comes with a price and that's just that that you put that vulnerability out there and sometimes that can be daunting but it's mm. worth it the price of fame it is the price you pay for being such a big deal <laughs> um so what is next for your work with breath and autism and all this i know you've spoken to me about some ideas i want to do a bbc doc oh, i want to wow. be a presenter on a bbc doc about it that that's what i want to do it's not in the works, it's not in the talks, nothing like that, but that's what I want to do. But like networking is what you need to do. Oh, I'm really good at that, Emma. Mm. You just need to get a bit tipsy. I do. I'm actually really fun when I've had a drink. Yeah, I went to um, the Straight 8 premiere last week at the BFI. And what I met. Heck? It was really cool. I met loads of cool people there and everyone is so nice like most people are just humans and just up for a chat I mean some famous people are better dicks but it is fun to go to these events and <laughs> someone know. Knows, knows someone who maybe has some connection or something yeah that was another thing I wanted to say because obviously you got this project like through working at Rankin and you know that led to that and da 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 but 
I think another issue in this industry people talk about a lot is just like general nepotism and people getting jobs yeah this person knows that person but for you like it wasn't like that at all really you went to the photography show an opportunity that you'd really sought completely on your own yeah and you were introduced to Rankin it wasn't like you were his third niece once removed oh yeah like honestly and then I went for an internship there and I worked my ass off literally and then I came back and then a job came up uh, and that's how I got it like it wasn't wasn't handed I mean I wish I wish it was honestly yeah. I wish it was power to you like if you if you're a if you are like a user of honestly if I had a famous parent I would be the biggest nepotist in this world I mm. would be nepotizing all everywhere I would yeah. I would it's a tricky oh, one you. I don't think anyone in that situation would like say no to an opportunity but it's I guess hard. it's what you do when you have that opportunity who are you then going to try and open doors for like honestly this industry the creative industry is so tough like everybody's got a famous relative or a, like no like or everyone you're fighting with like an already established place and like it's hard yeah. Uh, especially like I know it's silly but like especially being from the north as well it's like a whole different thing um so honestly yeah. if I could nepotism I would be nepotizing everywhere <laughs> literally everywhere mm. I would be dishing out my nepotism to every single person on this earth yeah power to I, you honestly power to you a good one to do an episode on. I was talking about on the last She Hearts film photo walk I did and um, Freya, my friend, was saying to me, apparently there's like a statistic that if there's like a, a job application and it says you need to do these things, a woman will say, like wouldn't apply to the job yeah. and she could do all of them or 99% of them, whereas a man would just have the confidence and be like, yeah, like I'll figure it out. That's uh, me. <laughs> that's me. Honestly, that's me. That's good though, because I don't think all of, all women are like that at all. I think we just don't back ourselves enough. But you, okay, l women, listen here, right? I did not <laughs> a photography degree. I literally learned photography off YouTube, and I got a job with Rankin. Do you know how yeah. I did that? YouTube yeah if just, i honestly and he always says to me can you go do this i'm like yeah sure i'd literally go to the toilet and look it up on youtube sorry i've literally just exposed myself but i do it all the time i look mm. everything up on youtube photoshop learned it on youtube capture one learn it on youtube hasselblad learn it on youtube literally everything and do you know what you have to do look at everything in the job description or like your new job that you've like blagged your way into just spend every night reading and YouTubing and reading and YouTubing. You'll learn just as much as you will in a degree, if not more. Yeah. Genuinely. Like, I, I spend my night in bed watching, like, YouTube tutorials. I even went, because when I first started, I was just making coffee for people. And I went on a Groupon barista course. And I was the best in that building at making coffee. So just make sure... That you, that you just just read and YouTube and you'll learn. You can learn anything. You can learn more than you can on a degree. The school of YouTube. Honestly, seriously.
yeah it's like you're you're backing yourself and you're also investing in yourself and that you can clearly see how that's helped you on your journey honestly it's not even that hard like i actually think when i watch the olympics and i watch like the skiers <laughs> and stuff no i'm not kidding i'm actually not kidding i could honestly do you know the ski jumper people mm. third go i'd get bronze <laughs> okay alex anything diving anything watch it three times by the third go i'd get at least bronze see you in the olympics next it, give year. me a chance and i will i'm not kidding i can do it i know <laughs> I can. if they can do it i can definitely do it this is amazing alex's motivational speech for us all Okay, I'm going to finish up with a few questions people on the internet have asked you. Okay. Um, how did the move to London affect your ability to shoot for yourself as opposed to for work? Oh, God. I bet this is this a, like a, pro, a professional photographer that's asked me that. Uh, I don't know. I'll send you can look on their profile on the questions. It will be. Where's the so, um, picture? But I'm not sure. Yeah, it is. Um, so that's what's really hard. Like, do you know when people say don't work in your hobby because it makes it's not a hobby anymore? So, mm -hmm. like, I found that moving to London, moving to London has been amazing for me, but it's also meant that I have no time and kind of when I do have time. Yeah, and I, this is going to sound really awful, but it feels bizarre to take pictures that you're not being paid to take anymore. And I know that's such a weird, mm. shitty thing to say, but it feels like you're working for free, which is weird. Well, I think it's things in London are so expensive, and I've I've lived in London my whole life. Like I've been really lucky to just be raised here. But I've met people at uni who've just lived here for a year to do a placement and have literally been like, what the fuck? People here are so miserable. You work to live and you work so hard to be able to afford to live in London that you you don't get time to enjoy it. Yeah, so I can true. see why you think that like time is money. If it's I've not even that, though. You, it's like, like, why am I not going to get money for it? You so know? when it becomes your job, so say if you're an accountant, you don't it then would feel weird to just be doing accountancy for for you know for free for your, for yourself yeah do you know what i mean more just switching out of work mode yeah i think so and it's kind of like it just feels i don't know like it's it's a weird thing and you've kind of got to fall in love with taking pictures again a bit mm. but i am because i'm going to take pictures because because at work you kind of take pictures you're not passionate about as well which is a weird yeah, feeling yeah so you've got to try and learn to switch between the two and that's what i'm learning at the minute but the photos we take are so fun and I but that's hanging them. out isn't it it is but i i've had such different experiences to you like i've never done a proper shoot so for me even just planning something on pinterest and then seeing it like come to life like that's yeah. so fun and like satisfying for me and yeah. like all day today aiden and i were going around the charity shops and oh, yeah, that looks like, fun. I was like, I'll get this. Like, Alex and I can do this or that. Or we could do this shoot for a grace yeah. Then we went past Corfe Castle and I was like, 
one day Alex and I should go to a castle and dress up as princesses. <laughs> we <laughs> like, actually should. I wonder if we know anyone with a castle. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, what are some of your insights slash development strategies that go into planning a project? Do you want to know? Just do it. Genuinely. You, you Projects, right? You can plan and plan and you can get better equipment and you can produce and you can produce and you can produce, but just do it. Yeah. Honestly, the only way to do a project is to start it. Don't over plan, just do it. And you're going to learn quicker from seeing the results faster rather than... I had no idea what I was doing when I started breath. I still don't, actually. I'm not very good at selling myself, am I? Oh, well. It's okay, we're all learning here. Um, Last one, this is sort of from me. So how would you advise others to find opportunities? This is what you have to do, and this is this is I can tell you one good thing about being autistic. When you decide to do something, you have to do it, okay? And you have to work every day towards that. So I decided a very long time ago that I wanted to work for Rankin, like ages ago, like very, very talking years. And I did. And that's just like you have to choose what you want to do and there's nothing too big like you're only seven connections away from anyone so you need to decide what you want to do and just do it like it it's really hard but just focus on that and work towards it every single day and don't take no for an answer and when you get an opportunity don't let your pride get in the way that's something that I think is a big thing don't let pride swallow you up go for it I mean I I have embarrassed myself multiple times by going to people and just like asking them yeah the worst answer you get is a no so. ask them do you know you want to shoot i don't know you want to shoot beyonce email her email her pr <laughs> and send them a concept like seriously yeah why not go do it they might say yes how do you know they won't say yes mm. and if they say no find out where her pr is and go there like <laughs> i'm not kidding yeah uh thank you so much alex this has been lovely to hear about your project but also uh, lovely to hear you being so passionate and motivational for us all because we don't always get that side of you oh yeah i was telling emma before this not to live her dreams yeah so. So maybe it's just me alex doesn't want to see <laughs> strive in this life so yeah thank you so much um Alex, tell us where all we can find all this amazing stuff. So, because this will have already this will be put out after the first of November, please go to the National Autistic Society Instagram page and share and make sure you comment like Alex, well done, Alex. So that people think I'm a big deal and they're like, Oh, who's Alex the photographer? So that Alexander they're like Aaron, oh my oh, god. I had to use Alexandra because Alex was taken. But yeah, just be like, oh Alex, like well done alex like uh, literally i want like 200 comments like saying that so that they're like oh my god this, this big deal we need i need you guys please i'm begging so thank you so much everyone for listening thank you for to alex for sharing her story with us once again i know it's like always a lot for you to talk about so we appreciate it um we'll be back soon who knows when depending on Alex's schedule. Right.
Oh, I'm, getting, oh, I'm being good now. I'll message Rankin and... No, don't. <laughs> I'm good. I said to you today, we can do an episode tonight. And I'm here. You are here, but um, it's taken maybe a few months to get us to this place. No, it took one day. Uh, I've been nagging you for a long time. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it took one day. You said, when you free, I said, tonight, I'm here, Emma. But I, but I message you that most days of the week. Fine, tomorrow. Okay, Alex and I will have our domestic later. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back soon, but whenever it is, it will be fabulous. It will be really soon. Trust yeah. Me. Um, you can find me at Emma J Lloyd underscore. You can find us at Grainsplaining. You can email us at Grainsplaining at gmail.com. And Alex is now Alexandra underscore Heron. Yeah. Don't forget that. Very sensible. <laughs> Very sensible move. Making sensible moves out here. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Um, see you soon. Bye. Bye.